Hello and welcome to the Refreshing Change podcast. My name is Nicola Scott and I will be your host. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Gary Young, who's a health and personal growth coach specialising in the mind, emotional healing and spiritual development. And he's also a mindfulness teacher. Gary is also the founder of The Mindful Enterprise, a social enterprise which launched back in 2017 to help tackle the rising problem of mental health issues and unlock human potential. The enterprise delivers mindfulness and wellbeing training to the business sector and individual consumers and uses profits to deliver subsidised mindfulness training to the education sector and deprived communities. Prior to moving into wellbeing, Gary spent 23 years in the corporate world as a project and programme manager, working on large complex change within the financial services sector. Gary believes passionately in the power of mindfulness to help unlock human potential, increase well-being, and enable a change in the way we approach life to promote the future, health and prosperity of the planet. Gary, welcome so much to the Refreshing Change podcast. Thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here, Nicola. So, Gary, I've watched your work from afar, having been, I suppose, engaged a couple of years ago in some of your work, and I'll touch on that in a a bit, but um, I just love what you do, so I'm really excited for this episode and for the listeners to hear, but can you just kick us off by telling us a bit about who you are and what it is you do? Sure. So, so my name is Gary Young. I'm the founder of the Mindful Enterprise, Uh, but before I before I started out in, in this part of my uh, journey, I actually spent 23 years in corporate and I was a project and program manager for 12 of those years. Prior to that, I was an operational team manager. And um, I, yeah, I, that that period of my life was um, very important, I guess, to help me to develop some skills and get me to a point where I could uh, enjoy a reasonably comfortable lifestyle, but it didn't give me the sort of purpose and meaning that I was looking for. And that was something that really came through in the last, I would say probably in the last six years in particular of my mm-hmm. corporate days, where I'd started to explore much more about self-development and doing that in a much more sort of dedicated way. And um, it was during that journey that I started to be opened up to various other ways of living different modalities, one of which was mindfulness and meditation. And that's what kind of took me on to this uh, new part of my journey, which was to take the leap of faith in 2016 to come out of corporate and set up a social enterprise and something that I really believe passionately in. And that was to try to create something that could be of service to the world to address what I saw as a a really important need and that was around the rising problems of mental health within society and um, what I also saw was a real sort of lack of um, knowledge and skill around mind and body and that connection between mind and body Um, and the thing that was probably most in my mind when I set up the business and with those around me who were involved at the time one of whom you know, that was Alistair Gray. And Mm -hmm. um, we really shared that passion of how we could, how we could try to do something that would benefit children. And so really the, what we could see was that mental health related um, 
problems were starting to get more and more prevalent amongst younger age groups. And because of that, there was a real sense of um, wanting that to be a core focus of the business. And so that was the original idea was to, to do something that was just exclusively in the education space. And then the business idea evolved into, so how can we create something that, yeah, we can do work in other sectors that allows us maybe to do stuff within the education space or within disadvantaged communities that we could offer the the, the service either at a subsidised rate or in some cases free, which these other sectors could help to pay for. So um, corporate sector, um, you know, being able to kind of pay for services that we offer and then allowing that to build up some profit in the company so we can do work in these other areas. So that was the that was the concept behind the business. And we it was 2016 where the business idea was starting to come together. And then in the sort of spring of 2017, the business went live to the market and um and we're still here. Um we like most other people um have had ups and downs throughout that journey and it's been stressful, it's been hectic, it's been, you know, there's been, certainly for the first three, four years, without a doubt, there was, um, you know, working much more hours than probably should have been to try and keep things going, but um, I'll not be the first person or the last person to have done that, mm-hmm. um, but I've learned a lot from that journey because it ultimately wasn't sustainable and I've learned a lot of lessons there too, so um, yeah, so we're still here. We've kind of maybe maybe we're we've got a bit more wisdom now. We're operating in a different way than we were before, and learning how to achieve more by doing a little bit less and um, that kind of thing. So yeah, it's been interesting. Nice, oh amazing! And you just mentioned there about like pivoting, and we'll dive into that, but. I ask all my guests on the podcast, Gary, about how, how they feel about change. I love change as a topic and it's one, one of my real passions. But through speaking to different guests on the podcast, everyone deals with it very differently. And I know that from working with some of my clients. But how do you feel about change and what roles it played in your life? Well, it's it's a necessary part of life and one of the most important aspects of life um, that we need to grasp in order to maintain our health and uh, realise our potential is the first thing I would say about change. But I would also identify that I think there's been enough studies done that indicate that human beings generally find change um, challenging sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can sometimes resist it um, just by our, you know, some of our kind of yeah, just our, our sort of general makeup is to 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 want to kind of find comfort, and sometimes the change process can be inherently uncomfortable. So, um, I think, you know, I think it's really important that we we grasp and understand that, and and not let the discomfort hold us back from throwing ourselves into to things that um, we feel passionate about, or when we recognise maybe there is a need that we need to evolve from some kind of a state of being. To, to something um, beyond that that allows us to, uh, you know, to either um, overcome some kind of a, a health challenge or overcome some kind of a, um, a, a period in our life, maybe where we're stagnating. Um, and, um, you know, so for me, it's <clears throat> it, it plays as well into the law of impermanence. 
in the sense that, you know, everything, you know, every, everything changes. Everything either changes form or it, it comes to an end at some point. Mm. And the more we embrace that aspect of life, the more we can move through life with a bit more grace and ease rather than the struggle that can sometimes um, ensue or take over us. So, yeah. Um, I think we can learn a lot from nature. We talked before the recording started about the changes in the seasons there, you know, yeah. and yeah. how we can sometimes struggle a wee bit with the darker nights and things like that. And I suppose if we were to step back from that and look at what nature does, you know, it, it doesn't tend to put up a struggle. It just knows that this is the change and it kind of just adapts and bends to whatever's there, whether that's rougher weather or, colder weather, darker nights, lighter, you know, whatever it's happening, it just adapts. And um, I think if we can keep working to get better at doing that, then we'll be able to make our way through life um, a little bit more smoother. Mm. I love that. And I, you, we're obviously on the same wavelength because I was going to bring up the seasons as well when you were saying that, because it, it, nature, it, there's lots of so cycles in nature that, that we, it, I suppose Mother Earth moves through um, I suppose it's that letting go and allowing the fresh and the new start whereas I think I think as humans we can be guilty of holding on for dear life a little bit and actually the opportunities in the space and the wisdom and insight comes when we can let go and allow yeah. new things to come in so yeah I love that yeah. thought about change absolutely and I think, you know, I recognise in it myself as well that there's probably been things in my past that I probably held on to for too long. Mm -hmm. and, uh, just maybe through just that, you know, habit, you know, things that are familiar, we might want to hold on to them, not let them go. And um, um, But then, you know, more wisdom that can emerge that says that, well, if we do open up space for something else to come in, it's about trust, isn't it? It's about trusting that, that the flow of things. And uh, but um, there might even be things right now that I'm holding on to that I shouldn't mm -hmm. be, you know, who knows? But um, yeah, you've got to be open to, you know, get that uh, knock at the door whenever it arrives. Yeah. I'm sure you'll be like myself, Gary, where there, there's an evolution. So you always, you know, there's that inquisitive nature around what's this situation teaching me or, or am I learning from it? And, and it's, I suppose, observing life uh, with that curiosity so that we're always learning there will be stuff that you know that two years from now you look back and think oh, I should have let go of that sooner I should have opened up that door quicker or you know but we're it's just that I, I suppose that's how I live my life with that element of curiosity and evolution I suppose because change I suppose in my opinion some of it's big or small but it's those incremental little changes over time that suddenly six months goes by and you look back and think god I've really changed my perspective on this or I've shifted my environment or I've really nurtured my mental well-being and, and look at that change over over a longer period of time so yeah, yeah absolutely is it's continuous it never stops it's it's you know it's sometimes you want to just have periods where you have some sort of you know relative calm where things aren't changing quite as um you know quite as fast you know, I think I think everybody needs that too. We can't be changing all the time, constantly. But although we we are in many ways in terms of our bodies, are you know shedding things and changing, and yeah. you know cells are regenerating, changing, and 
you know, various aspects of our physiology is changing and dying and changing. And but I think, yeah, I, I think it is. It's about sort of going with the flow of evolution and mm-hmm. um, just acceptance of of some of the things that emerge in our life with a with a curiosity, as you said, to yeah. learn something from them and not immediately label them as bad negative situations where in actual fact it could be something that's coming to move you on to something else that could be far more exciting so yeah be open to that yeah with so much wisdom mm-hmm. um so like i kind of mentioned earlier at the start guy i first came across your work i think it was back in 2017 so it must have just been as as you were launching the business can you i don't know if you remember the event but it was a mindfulness in the workplace event yeah i'd come across it on Eventbrite signed yeah. up after work it was in the dome I'm sure upstairs yeah. in the dome and um, I heard from you and Ali and just loved it and that was my first I'd done lots of personal development before that stage but I hadn't ever really known much about coaching and that side of things um, so that was quite a pivotal point in my journey I don't know if you know this story Ali does um, but I had a really surreal experience after that event I bumped into people on on princess street they were having an argument and i felt my intuition was telling me that i needed to support someone in this situation and the serendipitous experience actually then prompted me to go and train to become a life coach that was a that was a real pivotal evening Mm. um but that so so that was the kind of launch of the business and you've kind of touched on the mindful enterprise already but what I had a quick Google of the of your website and I loved your mission statement. So I kind of want to dive into that because I think it's it's um, some of the language and the words you use are really powerful about the impact that you want to have in the world. So like, what was this? So you've shared your journey in terms of moving out of the corporate, but what was the kind of spark or fire inside you that wanted you to create this opportunity in this business? And what's the real mission behind it? So very much the the kind of mission statement is is changing the world one mind at a time and that you know to to positively change the world one mind at a time was basically what that's trying to get across is that you know if we can if we can empower people with the tools to be able to make these changes within themselves then we can change the world because that can ripple out from each individual. Um, and that's very much about what what the what that mission statement's about. And you know, we believe that, you know, if we can if we can create a more conscious um you know a more conscious world, if we can empower people, as I said, with the tools. And one of the things we can empower people with is this, is this, this, this practice called mindfulness which is you know a real life skill and something that if we adopt it and consistently apply it in our lives then every aspect of our lives can positively change on the back of it and sometimes myself included we can have these ideas about trying to change the world on a a, you know a more kind of like a a, a very higher level Um, and we can get lost in that a little bit and um, feel a little bit like we're not having enough of an impact on things. Um, but what the business has taught me over the years that since we've uh, since we've launched is, 
gradually this more of a, a greater sense of peace within myself that just by doing work at a local level, um, whether it be coaching somebody one-to-one, -one, whether it be taking a group through training, whether it be delivering a course at a school or, you know, releasing a digital product that can get the, the message out there to more homes, then these things are going to have a material impact over time and to 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 be, you know, just to be to be happy and um and grateful that um you know that I've got uh, I've had a life experience that's allowed me to do this. Mm. So that's very much at the heart of what the business is about. It's about empowering people because the thing that that I also saw in addition to the mental health challenges that the world was facing was growing inequality, mm. um, a growing disparity in terms of where the power um, where the power was lying. Um, and if we can empower people, give them their power back, give them agency to be able to feel they can influence things in the world, not only by making positive changes in their own life, but by, you know, by connecting more within their own communities and then getting mindfulness to become more of a, a facilitator for kind of social change and um you know so people more people can adopt it and um and feel that they can use the wisdom of what they've learned um and how they apply mindfulness day to day means that they can you know they can start to use that in a positive way to influence their own and you know their own their own community then over time we can start to have more community engagement community building in a way where we can um resolve our own problems we can take back control of things into our communities that we may have um either consciously or um unconsciously um devolved to other people to try and solve on our behalf mm -hmm. um um, so this is where I kind of want to take things a little bit more moving forward. It's about how we can use the practice of mindfulness within sort of community engagement to get more and more people to feel like they're more connected in their communities. Because I think the the disconnection within communities has got a lot to do with some of the challenges that we see in our society. And if we think about sustainability, for example, you know, if we want to become more sustainable, we need to stop um operating as a uh an individual a lone wolf and just doing things in accordance with our own needs and thinking more about the collective need um you know um and sharing of resources and trying to find ways to to get fair access to resources which is something that uh, at a kind of you know a macro level nation against nation there's so much conflict and fighting and people trying to you know monopolize on industries or marketplace or um you know take over other countries mineral wealth and resources and things like that we need to bring an end to this kind of stuff mm -hmm. and i think one of the ways we do it is we help people to raise their consciousness so they can see their behaviors the ways that they're ways that they're thinking and feeling and how that can affect actions mm -hmm. um and the more that that happens, I think it will start to really take hold and hopefully we'll get a tipping point where we'll start to see really um, 
really um, amazing changes happening in the world where it's more meaningful and it's actually reaching its way up to the some of the corridors of power that uh, that badly need it to. Mm, yeah, it is fascinating. I'm sure the conversation came up on a, on one of the other episodes, but sometimes I reflect back to kind of cavemen days and think how life was so much more simpler. And a lot of the, I suppose within the change coaching I do ultimately, I'm, I believe people are trying to get to a more joyful happiness within mm. their everyday living. Mm. But we've got layers and layers of habits, behaviours, societal norms, programming, you know, all of that stuff, how we feel about ourselves, judgment of others. You know, there's so much, for want of a better word, crap that we've acquired over decades and decades and decades. And sometimes you think when you were explaining community, you know, I straight away think of, you know, people around a campfire, hunters and gatherers, raising a family within a community unit, you know, the whole, it takes a village to raise a child mm. type of vibe. But yeah. we're, you know, on one hand, there's loads of benefits of technology, but on the, on the other hand, it's the detrimental impact is that we've all just become so insular individual. Yeah. And I'm quite, about, you know, just about ourselves, which we sometimes yeah. forget to look at what's going on around us so I love that that's a real mission for the for the organization yeah you, that's right but yeah you're you're totally right it's you know technology has had a really positive influence on the world in some ways and a really negative impact in other ways and I think now we're at a very dangerous point in our history where technology in the wrong hands can be you know, can be uh, very destructive. Mm. And we've seen that with, you know, we've seen that with warfare. Mm. Um, we're now seeing maybe a different kind of warfare being used, uh, which is more psychological. Mm. Um, and, you know, and and also, you know, more sort of a trajectory towards a technocracy where the technology has become so powerful that, um, you know, it's moved at a pace that's, regulation has not been able to keep up with um so you know what that what happens on the back of that is that people people suffer i think eventually and um if the power is in the hands of too few people through and they're using technology as a, a means to enforce that then um you know it can can become um less pleasant for 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 everyday people within society so I think now is a definitely a time where we need to go back to to basics. We need to go back to our, our nature. And mm -hmm. as you highlighted there, it's about getting back to connecting our communities because we're powerful as 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 community groups. We're less powerful as a an individual operating as a, a lone wolf. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once we can get many voices coming together, we can we can help one another and um and you know solve our own issues as I said earlier and you know I think you said there about you know the taking a community to you know to to help build a child or grow a child you know it's about you know if you think about the way that we did used to come together and how families were more together and learning and growing together and because there's so many you know similarities in terms of the genetic profile and you know, the, the child comes through, the child can help the adults to, to grow past some of their challenges. And um, when the adults 
make that step forward with their own personal growth that helps the child, you know, immediately as well. So everybody's kind of evolving and growing together. But a lot of the time where there's disconnection within families, maybe people are, you know, people have got their lives in a way where they've become, you know, too much work orientated and less time for spending time with good quality time with family can lead to some breakdown within relationships and sort of family units. And um, I think we've now got um, we've now got a bit of work to do as a collective to try to to heal that and get it back on track. Mm, yeah. And I love what you said about like the regulations not kept up with the piece of technology, but I, I often ponder this thought about biologically we've not kept up with it. You know, we've been around for centuries as a human being, mm. but what we now consume through tech, you know, phones are a classic example. We weren't designed to stare at a screen and sit at a desk for yeah. 10 hours a day. So our biological uh, evolutions not kept up with pace. And I, I was even, I was saying this this morning to a friend actually about technology and then someone inventing electricity in the light bulb. So now, you know, and, and I then relate that to my sleep pattern. You know, back in the days before electricity, you go to bed when the sun goes down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because you wouldn't have any other means, but now as human, you know, we're up till well, I certainly am. I'm working on my sleep pattern, but up till past midnight on a screen, and the damage that will be doing to my yeah. mental well-being, my physical well-being, yeah, so <laughs> detrimental. And I'm aware, I'm aware of it, and I still, you know, still trying to break the habit and change the behaviours. Yeah, I just think, I suppose the the thought about society been at this tipping point and needing mindfulness and meditation more than it's ever needed before but yeah. how do you suppose um how do you get that message out to people Gary because I mean yeah we're seeing it on the podcast and I'm sure you tell everyone and anyone that listens mm -hmm. and I try and raise people's level of awareness but how do we get the message out wider for folk to start making some of those changes well I think I think it's happening um, I think it is happening and maybe there's a bit more that can be done still. <clears throat> I, I think that there's a lot of, um, yeah, everybody's got their own preconceived ideas, I think, about stuff like mindfulness, which can sometimes be a bit unhelpful to um, allowing that attitude of kind of openness and curiosity to come through about how it might be able to help that individual. But also, I think there's a there's a timing for everything. I think everybody gets to that point in their life where they recognise that the time could be right, maybe to start to explore some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so um, the other things that obviously are, I think we have to we have to communicate the message in a way that resonates with people. What are the things that people can really relate to? So maybe distraction of the mind is something that we can all relate to. Maybe having a more fragmented attention span is something we can all relate to because we've got lots of demands coming at us left, right and centre. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it means that maybe we can't be as focused on a single task for as long as we used to be able to. Yeah. We maybe find it hard to be present around other people because the mind is constantly chattering away and trying to pull us into other kinds of um, thought stories. Mm. Um, and as well as that, we have a natural tendency to worry. Um, mm. 
Um, and I think if we can home in on the, you know, the, the, the power of this practice in terms of how it can help people to really manage their stress better, see thoughts for what they are, just thoughts, not facts, be able to become the, the observer to the experience of mind rather than caught up in the, the stories or getting overwhelmed by the stories. Um, and also to know that, not to go into it thinking that either it's not for you or having any a concern that you might not be able to do it. Mm. I think sometimes there's a natural worry about, I'm not going to be any good at that. Um, yeah. Just maybe because of how conditioned people conditioned people's minds have become mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the you know the sometimes people find thinking to be safe because they because they can think all the time it's like it's almost like their it's like their anchor points their safety mm -hmm. but actually it, it's a it's not a sustainable way to to interact with the mind and it's actually something that's very inefficient from an energy perspective and um, and also not particularly sustainably healthy either. Mm. So if we can try to educate people about the the opportunity in this practice and what we can really get from it, if we just con consistently apply the practice, then that can get more people, I think, on board with it. And um, the more the more mindful people and the more mindful communities that um, start to emerge across the world then it's only going to be a good thing for you know for the world um, in the longer term mm. um, but also just helping people to come into it you know in a way that feels accessible to them yeah yeah no, I think I think you're so right. That would be my assumption is that some people and I probably had it just so long ago when I kind of started out on this kind of personal development journey. It can be quite daunting, can't it? I think sometimes the uh, the kind of Hollywood version of what people think meditation might be is sitting like a Buddha cross-legged for five hours mm -hmm. in silence. And I think mm -hmm. sometimes I, I certainly see that with clients. It's trying to start incorporating new practices but in a way that feels good for them that gives them the time and space for it to be a journey and to evolve and it's like going to the gym you don't suddenly go and can do everything and lift really heavy weights you have to learn how to do it and yeah. put the practice in and allow for that growth to happen that's right and that's I love what you said about the communicating it in the right way because I think you know just in small talk with people nowadays you know if everyone is busy everyone is stressed out everyone is overwhelmed mm. and everyone's going at 100 miles an hour yeah absolutely and it, it just doesn't need to be that way does it that's right it's um i think we can just you know we can we can get into cycles where that is really prevalent in our lives and yeah. sometimes you know it's necessary because we're maybe trying to launch something or we're you know there's a number of different um number of different things that we're doing that are all converging at the same time but mm -hmm. if it's something that we kind of becomes part of the way we live our life day to day and it's just like for longer periods of time then we're, we're, we're on a we're on a pathway to to trouble 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, you know, the we know that through some of the, you know, the studies into, you know, certainly the work uh, that, you know, Paul Gilbert's done on sort of compassion and things like that, you know, where you look at the emotion regulation systems and how we get caught in high drive where we're, you know, we're ultimately um, getting lots of the dopamine, our brain's reward system, and and we can get quite high on that. And um, we can get addicted to action and not know how to step off the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, during that, we're also coming in and out of threat, you know, where our goals are being threatened in some way, or there's a relationship challenge that is thrown up, or someone else happens in our life, and we feel threatened in lots of different ways, emotionally, occasionally, physically. And and these things can take their toll if we're not looking after ourselves well in the process, if we're not finding these moments to stop and pause and slow down and regulate, uh, bring our nervous system back into a more settled state and bring all our kind of bodily systems back to a more sort of rested and balanced state you know, that these things are absolutely essential for um, longevity um, and good health um, longer term. Um, and that's a lesson I've had to learn during my journey over the last, you know, five, six years where um, I, I did encounter something physically that impacted me that also had a mental flavour to it because I was prevented from doing any forms of exercise, which is my love it's a passion of mine it's something that I've always been active throughout my whole life and I had to stop um and that was where my kind of my character of always wanting to push myself hard and exercise combined with my busy um you know sort of work I was doing and the fact that I was trying to run a business that I'd kind of grown over time to probably be of a size where myself and my colleague that works with me, not, you know, even too much for us to handle. Mm. And therefore you have to work longer hours in order to to maintain and manage it. Um, so just the combination of that and then all the sort of things happening with COVID and various things that, that emerged around that time and threw myself into some activism around that time and research and whatnot and um, all of that kind of just like you know can start to accumulate into the point where you realize that you need to stop and um, bring in more rest than you perhaps were and, and I'm, I'm a consistent regular um, meditator you know and I think it was probably keeping me keeping me below the line mm. to some extent and then eventually I wasn't maybe fully aware of some of the signals my body was giving me and I was still pushing myself physically. I think what my body wanted me was to have more rest. Mm. And um, so so I got a message and um, it was quite a quite quite a major one. And um, needless to say, I've changed quite a lot since that time. That was just last year. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, our bodies know what's going on, don't they? Our body and our mind, if we can listen to our body and our mind... There's so much wisdom there about what what we should and shouldn't do. And interestingly, earlier you said about like seeing your thoughts for what they are, and I had that this week. Um, bit of a off the off often a tangent story, but my mum and dad were ste- meant to be seen in Edinburgh with me, um, on Sunday night, and they were because we we're flying back from Italy, 
and I was expecting them about midnight. I was kind of getting ready for bed, but I was still aware to hear them to come in. I kind of dozed off, woke back up, and I was like, spill half one, no sign. Text them both. Are you both all right? What's going on? There's bad weather outside. And then your mind starts racing. What if the plane crashed? What if mm. they've been attacked in town trying to attack? See, my mind was going 100 miles an hour at half one in the morning. Mm. And I thought, right, what are you doing? You're making up this story in, in my own mind. So I, I did, uh, they, they weren't reaching, con, uh, communicating on their phone. So I just went online and checked like the arrival, saw the flight was delayed and was like, well, that's the logical answer, isn't it? The mm. flight's delayed, they'll be here when they're here, go back to sleep. <laughs> but even, and again, for you, maybe not listening to the initial signs that your body were telling, and you can be years into your own personal development journey and be, you know, like you say, an avid meditator, or you can be aware of your mind we still get caught out it's not like anyone's an expert at this we all go through highs and lows and things that will um like take our mind into places we don't want to go or do you know so yeah. i think that for people when it feels daunting to start is that maybe there's an aspect of seeing other how other people do it but actually we've all got our stuff we go through and we all deal with that in different ways and sometimes we can pull on the tools and get ourselves out of it quickly and other times it takes us a bit longer to navigate out of that hole if you want that we've got ourselves into yeah absolutely. Um, yeah yeah absolutely I mean I think we're all fallible you know we've all got even as you say people that are have been going through their personal development journey and maybe perceived by others to be further down the path it doesn't it doesn't mean anything in, in real terms when, you know, there still can be some kind of little um, um, little blind spot, if you like, you know, where with me in that particular instance that I, I shared, which was, it was really to do with my, my character has always been throughout my life that even though you maybe feel that the body's telling you you can't do that, maybe just, just push a little bit more and, and this goes back to my 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 my, my gym days where it was always you know, go beyond failure mm -hmm. and do an extra couple of reps even though the muscle feels tired and it feels done um and that can help the growth process you know so almost like still having this mentality there somewhere within my psyche actually was um, it, it, it was my undoing and and um i guess a little bit humbling probably as well because you, you know you 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 go through your life and you learn all this stuff about mind body and um, then something like that happens and you think how did i not you know how did i not pick up on that you know and you get a little, i did i got a little bit probably for a good few days probably reflecting and feeling a bit disappointed in myself and all that kind of stuff but again that's just you know just observing that for what it is too um, and maybe the, you know, maybe this was what I needed to experience because I maybe wasn't just listening to some kind of a little whisper there. And mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty sure that the the journey, which I'm still working through now, incidentally, but um, things are getting better, mm -hmm. um, will be, yeah, will be, will be valuable in the long run. A real fine balance, isn't there? A real nuance mm -hmm. to the push through and the surrender and it's yeah. knowing at what point and it's different on different days or different time you know that's right and and trying to fine-tune it but it, it, 
I suppose I believe, and I don't know if you'd share the same thought, Guy, but it's as if you can heighten your level of self-awareness, mm. I believe it's far easier to trust that you make that nuance, you make the right decision yeah. in any given moment. We well, don't always get it right in hindsight, but in that moment we go with mm. what feels the best and then we learn from it as we as we go on. For um, sure. Yeah, more more often than not, we've got more chances of catching it. And mm-hmm. and and you're right that uh, there's a there is there is a there is, there is a there is a blind spot in, in all of us and we can yeah. all have these moments maybe where we feel like we've got pulled into some kind of a narrative in our minds or missed a signal in the body and um uh, it's about yeah it's about just learning from that and um and that will make you i think a lot more uh, a lot a lot more aware the next time mm. and not to ignore things that maybe you just perceive to be um um an insignificant uh, signal mm, yeah definitely well yeah no it's so true the plane didn't crash they arrived they finally arrived at the flat at like 3 a.m in the morning so it was uh yeah a bit of a tired yeah. night um it's a happy ending yeah a happy well <laughs> a, a happy grumpy ending i'm like what, what have you lot been yeah <laughs> um, thanks for that yeah yeah but no all good so from all the work you do, we've, we've talked. I suppose we've spoken quite a bit, Gary, about some of the challenges and why it's important. But what out the other side of that, in terms of the communities you've worked with, or the corporates, or the kids that you've worked with through education, like what are the benefits that you see in the individuals or the communities from doing doing this type of work? So we kind of see some really consistent changes that people report on the back of the people who go through courses, for example. And the, the, the key things that people notice is an increased ability to focus mm. and to notice. So the self-awareness aspect gets heightened. Um, and we know that that's a really important aspect to be able to, you know, to become our best. We need to be self-aware. And, and the other things that are consistent are a, reduce, a reduction in stress and anxiety, um, an increase in overall well-being, which we could, you know, we could say is the, a greater level of contentment, happiness that people feel. Um, we see a lot of people saying there was improvements in sleep. Mm, yeah. And, you know, that's primarily probably down to the fact that they're now managing their stress better. They're be able to relate to their mind in a different way that means that they don't carry a lot of uneasy thoughts into into their sleep cycle and you know um and greater emotional balance um i think that's an important one you know because emotions if we don't build up a good understanding of them and a, a, a you know an understanding of how to to regulate our emotions and stay in balance so that we can you know not um not kind of um contribute to the kind of levels of stress that we're dealing with so we go above tolerable levels of stress um so that's another important one um and we see a lot of people reporting that they're kind of reacting to things less okay yeah so again probably linked to emotion as well but um you know that people feel calmer and uh, less reactive um 
And we always get stories from people, um, sometimes even during the course or at the end of the course, um, that people have had little breakthroughs of moments with in certain relationships, you know, whether it be with a child or a partner or a parent, you know, um, people notice that, that that things, you know, things start to start to change for the better. And it could just be that with this new way of being that this individual is embodying because they've gone through the, the teachings and they started to adopt the practices, they're then taking that back into their their home life and they're seeing changes happen and people are maybe noticing the change in them and it's allowing more, um, you know, more kind of, um, you know, um, deeper connected relationships to to uh, to emerge from that. So th those I would say is probably the core things for individuals. Mm. And then when we go into, when we go into, when we go into corporates, I'm actually excited about the project I'm working on just now because this is the first one of its kind, the second one actually, where a company's actually done a more um, all-encompassing project uh, around well-being and personal development where they've used mindfulness as the foundation for it. Nice. Um, so I'm working with a, a creative agency at the moment and we're doing a, a, a package where I'm doing one-to-one -one coaching with their, their people we're taking them through our training course of mindfulness and we're also doing a, a day retreat with them where we're taking them in and giving them a full retreat experience mm -hmm. where we can really immerse ourselves in the practice more, have time for um, personal reflection, group reflection and discussion um, as a way of kind of bonding the team and things like that. So I'm really excited to see how that goes. And um, we've started that and it'll run until March next year. Mm -hmm. um, um, but very much on a community basis as well. This is the, um, you know, this is the arguably the hardest nut to crack because um, you need to build up, you know, a fair bit of funds if you're going to be offering training either subsidised or free within communities. We want to try and do more of that, but we need to, you know, we need to increase our, our profit margin before we can do more of that work. Yeah. Um, um, but the things that we've done in community, particularly around taking social workers, family support workers through training so that they can then um, have, a, you know, even more skills to be able to manage their, um, you know, their families in disadvantaged communities and help them maybe to adopt some of the, the basic techniques and um, to be able to feel that they can do their work in a way where they can manage their own well-being as well. That's where much of the kind of some of the um, community work we've done there with actual um, other charities that are on the ground and actually providing support um, to, to families in, in difficult circumstances. So that has been um, that's been you know that's been really valuable to, to see that and to hear that what the these um, these social workers and family support workers have learned and how they're then able to feel like it can impact the, the way that they do their job in communities in some difficult circumstances has been has been great too. Um but I think going forward what I've started to to, to do just myself is to try to connect more with my own community. Mm. So I've kind of gone out and put some letters through doors and invited them to a, a community gathering um which we had our first one last month in September. 
and um, I didn't know how many people would turn up. We got 20 people turned up, which was great. It was really, it was a big surprise. I didn't think we would get that many. I thought maybe less than 10. Yeah. We got 20 and um, we've now sort of built a bit of momentum behind it. We're going to meet every month. We've got people on an email distribution list where we're keeping in touch about initiatives. And this is, I think, the way for me that it can start to grow mm. is where we can start to connect people in communities and um, use my experience in mindfulness to um, be an enabler of some sort within my community. And uh, we can't force people to learn mindfulness. It has to be the person has to want to do it themselves. Mm. If they decide they want to do that, then great. If they don't, that's fine too. Um, but I think it's, um, yeah, it's about how we can how we can maybe empower people that do want to come and learn mindfulness then to go back out and mm. not only um, use it to support their own journey, but use it then to, to you know, to, 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 to benefit those around them at home and also in the, in the community, bringing people together. Yeah, I love that, championing it within their own community to then, it's like you said earlier about um, like the ripple effect and even when you're saying about the the impact on those one-to-one individuals that you're maybe working with the impact it'll have on the people around them whether it's work colleagues or family or friends or you know it it then does start it just feels like or I assume it maybe feels like dropping a few pebbles in and you'll see a couple of ripples and it would be so nice to have all the money to go and just dump a big rock in the middle of the water and actually make that vast difference in one go but you know like we said earlier about change and that evolution and chipping away at it it's uh it's still making a massive impact in changing people's lives which is the just the main thing isn't it yeah. i loved what you said about the um just to circle back about the emotional balance yeah. and about regulating and I, I just would love your take on um this labeling ourselves with whether it's anxiety depression mental health and I don't know my I suppose my perception or my views on it is that we're quick to label rather than understanding as humans we go through a flurry of different emotions which is healthy yeah (laughs) stress at the right level is good because it gives us fires us up in the right way or a bit of anxiety might protect us from something but not if it's on high alert for a prolonged period of time yeah but this thought about you know the goal for me, and certainly when I'm working with clients, it's not to be happy and joyful 100% of the time because that's possibly quite toxic and not sustainable yeah. either. So it's it's about flowing through the different emotions. But I quite, or I see in the mental health space, quite a lot of people say, well, I have a tendency to be anxious, so I must have anxiety. Mm. Rather than understanding that it's okay to flow there as long as we've got the tools to bring ourselves out of it. And yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's um, you know, we, we don't want to to over define ourselves with mm-hmm. particular ailments or um, you know, particular kinds of emotion, like labeling ourselves as a an anxious person or an angry person or whatever, you know. Um that becomes a bit self-fulfilling. So we 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 want to explore what it's bringing to us mm-hmm. and try to investigate that. And there are practices within the mindfulness curriculum that help us to do that in a skillful way um, where we can recognize what's here and allow it and give it space and um, then investigate it, learn from it and um, 
see if we can draw any wisdom from it. Um, and at the end of that process, we, you know, non-identification, so we don't identify with that, where we kind of hold on to that that feeling because um, you know emotions can become quite addictive too. Mm, yeah, uh, and we think about it on a you know a, a sort of biochemistry level as well. You know, the body craves familiarity, so whatever we whatever we indulge often, you know, the body can get quite used to and will want more of. So um, I think, you know, we can be, you know, if it's anger, then we can get taken into anger quite a lot. Um, and, you know, we want to be able to, as you say, we want to just flow with these emotions and allow them to, to, to come in and bring whatever it is they need to bring and then just let them go on their way um and uh, come back to that balance and try to view all our experiences as neutrally as we possibly can mm, yeah nice I like that Gary folk have listened and thought right I've never done any of this before this mindfulness meditation like where where would they start or what's your top tip if they were gonna you know dip a toe or dive bomb into it what would you be mm. saying to them so I would say start small okay um don't overwhelm yourself with, you know, having to know it all or trying to do it all. It's it's very much, you know, for example, if you can, if you can notice the, the rhythm of your breathing, then you can practice mindfulness. If you can feel the carpet underneath your feet, you can practice mindfulness. If you can, you know, if you can, yeah, if you can go on a walk outside and start to really allow your experience to be um, one where you're activating all the senses, whether it's what you what you see, what you hear, what you can smell and taste and touch and all that sort of stuff. These are really accessible ways of starting to bring mindfulness into your life. And then if you can lead with an intention to be mindful and be more present as often as you can in the day, and you have maybe an anchor that you can keep coming back to that brings you back home to yourself to, to presence and as I touched on we can do that with the breath mm. and we can do that with the other senses as well and um, one that feels accessible for some, some people the breath's not that comfortable to to pay attention to mm -hmm. and that's okay that doesn't mean that you can't practice mindfulness it just means that at the moment the breath is not so comfortable for you but you can find another one for example people that maybe you know, where that applies to might actually enjoy mindful movement. Mm. You might actually enjoy moving your body. So it's more of an active form of mindfulness where you can, you know, move your body in a particular way, but just breathe in time with the movements of the body. And there doesn't have to be any particular way you move your body, just let it flow and breathe in time with it. And that can be very mindful and it can be very grounding for people and it can allow them to have a a mindfully connected experience where mind and body feel like they're synchronized and um and that kind of thing um and just then work up to uh so even so the tip my key tip would be start small if you feel comfortable paying attention to your breath just stop and pay attention to your breath for three to five cycles of breath two or three times a day mm. just stop and just notice and breathe and if you feel like there's a little bit of stress in the system, you feel a little bit tight in the body, 
breathe in maybe for maybe sort of three to five seconds and breathe out maybe for sort of seven to nine seconds longer exhale on the breath out and just keep your attention with that full process of breathing out and uh, breathing in and breathing out and that's you having a mindful um, awareness of breath experience um, where you can just be curious to what you notice what do you learn from it and that's the that can be the entry into it it's the gateway and um, from there you might then want to start to expand and introduce more of a classic sort of seated meditation practice which could maybe last five minutes or ten minutes you know settling the mind is the the probably the obvious go-to one that um, will just bring people in at an entry level to learning how to this concept of mind wandering observing the mind wandering and bringing it back you know that can that can be the the, the 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 start of it for people where they can just grow from there so that would be my key tip in addition to um don't let the overcautious mind convince you that um it's not for you or um whatever but um you know if anybody was thinking about going into it and they were going through a particularly significant life event at the time something that was traumatic or you know a relationship breakdown or whatever then just maybe even just approach a provider. You could even email ourselves, you know, and just say, you know, is this the right time for me? Mm -hmm. uh, would you advise it or not? And we could ask some questions that would just help them to get clear in their own heads if it was the right time for them. Mm -hmm. um, because for some people I know have actually turned to mindfulness in a real time of crisis and it's been hugely beneficial for some people um, it's maybe just not the right time because there's just too much going on. So we just have to know within ourselves in terms of how, how it feels um, in terms of our own readiness. Oh, amazing guy. Thank you so much. I'll put your, I was going to put the website link and stuff so I can get the email address off you as well and pop some information in the show notes for folk to get in touch and yeah. follow you guys and what you're up to. But thank you so much for your time and wisdom. Um, I've really loved that. That's been brilliant. You're welcome. Thanks, Nicola. I've enjoyed it too. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode and make sure you subscribe and follow the podcast so that next week you can join us again.